Welcome to this recorded service for Sunday the 4th of October 2020, which is our Harvest Festival. My name is the Reverend Peter Walker. The readings are read by John Alexander Head. The prayers are by Stephen Foster. And hymns were recorded by the St Martin's Singers. I thought perhaps before you start today's service with me, why don't you find something that reminds you of the goodness and generosity of God? Perhaps something from the garden, something from creation, a flower, a leaf or a fruit. Perhaps a picture of someone who's loved you and whom you have loved. Or maybe a Christian symbol, a cross or a candle. When you've got that, take a moment now to thank God for his goodness. Our first hymn is Come, ye thankful people, come, raise the song of Harvest Home.
let us confess our forgetfulness of the needs of the poor and let us repent of the ways in which we waste the resources of the world. We confess our sin and the sins of our society in the misuse of God's creation. God our Father, we are sorry for the times when we have used your gifts carelessly and acted ungratefully. Hear our prayer, and in your mercy forgive us and help us. We enjoy the fruits of the harvest, but we sometimes forget that you have given them to us. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We belong to a people who are full and satisfied, but we ignore the cry of the hungry. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We are thoughtless and do not care enough for the world you have made. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. We store up goods for ourselves alone, as if there were no God and no heaven. Father, in your mercy, forgive us and help us. May God, who loved the world so much that he sent his Son to be our Saviour, forgive us our sins and make us holy to serve him in the world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the Collect for the Harvest Festival. Eternal God, you crown the year with your goodness and you give us the fruits of the earth in their season. Grant that we may use them to your glory, for the relief of those in need and for our own well-being. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Both of our readings today touch on the theme of thankfulness. A reading from the second letter to the Corinthians, starting in chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures for ever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be, you will be made rich in every way, 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will, will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many of expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, take my words and speak through them and help us all to discover more of your generous love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our New Testament reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, no doubt selected by the Liturgical Commission for Harvest, because of phrases it contains like verse 10, he supplies seed for the sower and bread for food. Or verse 9, he scatters his gifts to the poor. We are reminded at this time of year of all that is safely gathered in, as the hymn says, ere the winter storms begin. Now, gardeners and farmers alike will always tell you that it's been a funny year. Nonetheless, in many ways, it has been a good harvest this year. So once again, we thank God for his wonderful provision. You see, generosity is God's nature. He sends his rain on the just and on the unjust. And the heart of the Christian faith is the declaration of his extraordinary, generous gift in Jesus Christ. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Perfect God condemned in place of sinful humanity, an act of generous love beyond and above anything that human beings could do. Indeed, 
God's love does not stop there. For having died in our place, Jesus has now brought us into a new relationship as adopted daughters and sons of our Heavenly Father. And God has poured out his Holy Spirit into our hearts, giving gifts to be used in his service and bearing fruit in our lives so that we come to resemble more and more the character of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. God is fundamentally generous. That's why in verse 9 Paul writes, God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because God is looking for our lives to reflect his life, for our generosity to be a a shadow, of an imitation, a, a copy of his generosity. Now, we have to say that Paul wrote this letter to a church in Corinth that was not naturally generous. In his previous letter, Paul had outlined his plan to collect an offering, a gift for the poor Christians in Jerusalem that had been very badly affected by a famine there for a number of years. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, he had encouraged them all on the first day of the week to set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, although the Christians there may have started keenly enough, they hadn't got very far with this collection, and other things had distracted them. They'd either lost interest or given up, and Paul had heard about this. Hence, Paul devotes two whole chapters of this letter, chapters 8 and 9 of his epistle, to help them to reconsider. Chapter 8 starts with Paul telling them about Christians in Macedonia. Think Philippi and Thessalonica. By comparison with Macedonia, Corinth was a wealthy area. Indeed, Paul describes the Macedonians as being in extreme poverty and under a severe trial. So, humanly speaking, one would not expect the Macedonians to contribute very much to this offering that Paul was making. Yet what happened was that the Macedonians begged Paul for the chance to contribute which they did, says Paul, as much as they were able and beyond. When Paul gets to chapter 9, he tells the Corinthians he's going to be bringing some Macedonians with him when he comes in a few weeks' time to collect their contribution. So, hint, hint, they ought to be ready too. In other words, you don't want to be embarrassed when we come. And so finally, Paul addresses the question of why the Corinthian Christians, indeed why any Christians, should give and what the likely results are. The point is, says Paul, that God's grace to us, the experience of being loved and forgiven and given hope and a new life, changes us and we become a little more like God, showing grace generosity to others. God's grace is reproduced in us. It's like, to use Jesus' parable, the farmer's seed. It produces 30 or 60 or 100 fold. In fact, 
God's grace to us is infinite, unmeasured, unmeasurable, so that we in our turn are to show generosity without putting limits on it. The Corinthians may have been rather tight-fisted, hence the farming proverb to challenge them. Whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly, but conversely, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's a promise here in verses 9 and 10 of our our epistle reading uh, that God is going to enlarge our harvest and you will be enriched in every way. Sadly, some preachers have twisted this into a prosperity gospel which says to vulnerable people, give generously to support Christian workers and God will give you more and more health and wealth. Parts of the Old Testament did see material blessings as a reward from God, but the New Testament does not see things that way. Instead, recognising that God's blessings may be spiritual, not physical, that the Spirit is more concerned with forming our character and our trust in God than filling our bank balances. Even suffering is promised by Jesus as a reward for faithful service. However, God does promise the generous giver that they will have enough for their needs, not their wants, their needs, as well as enough to continue sharing with others. Look at verse 8. The results of generosity, says Paul, are manifold. Praise and thanks to God, a change of character for the giver, a deepening closeness and love between the donor and the recipient, uh, the recipient, and so on. So as I read this letter, Paul trying to encourage or cajole a rather reluctant church into generous giving, I wonder what Paul would say to us today about our giving. Do we leave it to others to pay for our local church? Have we been gripped by the generosity of God? Do we earnestly beg for, look for opportunities to give? And does God's infinite grace find expression in our lives? Have a think and pray about that. Amen. Our next hymn is All Creatures of Our God and King.
Father God, we thank you for prayers answered and for blessings received. We thank you for the recent good weather that has enabled us to hold some outdoor services. We pray today for your intervention in the many conflicts still ongoing across the world. Many are no longer reported due to the current global pandemic, but the people caught up in them are not forgotten and we ask you to bring peace and protection. Lord, as the world faces the second wave of COVID-19, we ask for your guidance for those in authority who are doing their best to protect us and to prevent its spread. We pray especially for the scientists across the world who are trying to develop a vaccine. We pray that when it is developed, that it's made available to all at a price which everyone can afford and is available first to those who need it most. In our own country, we pray for all those who are having to deal with more restrictions and the problems that this can cause. We pray that our children and young adults will be safe in their schools, colleges and university environments. Help them and the teachers and staff looking after them to abide by the rules and to feel safe and secure as they continue their studies. We ask, Lord, for your continued help for those who are struggling at this time, for those who are looking for work and for those who are struggling to feed their families. We ask for your blessing on those who contribute to the food bank at St Matthew's and elsewhere. Help us to remember that it is you that provides for us and for us not to forget those who are less fortunate than ourselves. We pray for the homeless as they face life back on the streets as we head towards winter. Help us to help them. We also pray for those migrants who have left their homes in search of safety and freedom. We pray especially for the family that you have identified for the support from hearts and homes. Be close to them, Lord, as they wait for help. Do not let them become discouraged, but to live in hope that they will be able soon to start their new life with us. Lord, we pray for all those who are mourning the loss of loved ones. Help us to reach out with comfort. We pray for those in need of your healing touch, those who are unwell, especially Joanna Cottrell, John England, Reg Francis, Anne Gibbs, Gwen Hill, Gerald Jefferson, Dorothy, John, Dorothy Johnson, Chloe Lambert, John Lawrence, Mark Shaddock, Rhiannon Simmons, Rose Turner, Alex Waring, Lawrence, Roger Webb, Alan, Margaret's son, Joan, P Peter Walker's mother-in-law, Ruth Walker, Steve, a fireman, Phil Dolby, Alan and Sarah Edwards and their families, and all those who love and care for them day by day. Lord, please accept these prayers in the name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. And so our final hymn, Praise to the Lord the Almighty, the King of Creation. God the Father, who created the world, give you grace to be wise stewards of his creation. Amen. God the Son, who redeemed the world, inspire you to go out as labourers into his harvest. Amen. God the Holy Spirit, whose breath fills the whole of creation, help you to bear his fruits of love, joy and peace. Amen. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you 
and remain with you always. Amen.